with me to Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your t- of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. Verse 1. After this just so we put this passage in context. Prior to this, three different men had approached Jesus and asked to join him. Each wanted to be a follower of Jesus, but on their terms, not on Jesus's. And so each one fell by the wayside. Imagine if Jesus let us all come on our own terms. What a mess the kingdom of God would be. It would be chaos. It would be like this world we live in. Everyone wanting what they want. Everyone thinking they're the most important. Power crazy people all wanting their own way and clashing with others who wanted other things. The kingdom of God is order, not chaos. It's his way, not our way. So that's what was going on before. And this is what we have to get into our heart, church, because sometimes I think we still want to enter into God and enter into Christ by what we want. We forget 
that we are his servant and we we treat him like he's our servant. Just saying, for us to ponder on. Um, it says Jesus now calls 72. Some Bibles say 70. Don't get hung up on the number, okay? Don't go building a theological doctrine around two people missing. We don't have to explain it. Who knows? Right, let's read this again, verse 1 and 2. After this, the Lord appointed 72 or 70 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, there's so much in these few verses, so let's just camp out um, in them for a while. As believers, we all have the great privilege, the honour of representing Christ in this world. Let me pray. Oh, Father God, I thank you for revealing yourself to each of us. I thank you that you loved each one of us so much that you sent us Jesus to make the way for us to be with you. Lord, I ask that we here this morning will find these words from your heart to my mouth helpful as we continue to fulfill the call you have placed on our lives, both individually and corporately. Oh, I ask this in your precious, precious name, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus looks up and he sees the crowd and he says the harvest is ready but the laborers are few. My gosh, how our orchardists must be relating to this scripture right now. You know, you see them on the TV desperate to have laborers to come in to their harvest field to save their crop from going to waste and I believe so it is in the natural it also is in the spiritual here in these verses Jesus is identifying for us a spiritual readiness that exists in the world that most of the time if we're honest we are oblivious to maybe that doesn't apply to you maybe it's just me we know these words written here are true because they are words of Jesus recorded for us to read. The question is, how foremost are these words in our own thoughts, in our hearts? We can get so caught up in our own lives, um, our life becomes all about us and not about him and his kingdom. Yes, our own personal dramas are important, but it is Christ who must consume us. What is consuming you? Is it Christ and his kingdom? When we read these words of Jesus telling us the harvest is plentiful, you know, I think he wants it to be a wake-up call. There are people living around us, people crossing our path daily, people in our communities who are open and receptive, people who have loved ones praying for them, crying out to God for them, for their salvation, 
people the Holy Spirit has wooed and prepared to hear the word, ripe fruit all around us. Now, it's only natural that our focus will be on our friends, on our family, on people who are dear to us, and we're praying for them and we're sharing with them. God forbid my poor husband. You know, for months, years, he would be subject to voice magazines left open on the table. He would be subject to my comments. But he wasn't ripe fruit at that time. Yes, our hearts break for our loved ones who do not know the yet know the Lord. But lift our heads up, look around, keep praying for our own ones. Of course, keep praying. But there's a harvest out there from the result of other people's prayers. So don't get so wrapped up, so concerned with our own ones. Look out, church. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. Many of you have enjoyed plums from my plum tree each year. They look ripe. So I go out, not many on this year, tree if I had it pruned, ripe. And I go, you know, I think, oh, that one looks ripe. Little tug, little tug. No, it's not ready. It won't come off. Little tug, little tug, not ready, won't come off. And then I find one that's ripe. Gentle little tug comes off, delicious. Get to eat it. You see, there is this time for when the fruit is ripe, for when the fruit is ready. Even though all those plums are on the same tree, all have had the same, well, not quite all the same sunlight because we're the, the position, but, you know, they're all on the same tree. They don't ripen at the same time. They ripen with just the ones and twos, and then it's like there's this mighty great revival and the whole lot ripen in two days, and you've got to get out and get them harvested. They've got to ring Trev and say, now, Trev, come and help yourself. I'm sure you get the parallel. There is a revival coming, church. We know it. We know it. We know it. But while we're waiting for the revival, we're not just going to sit down and think, oh, come on, God, when's this revival happening? No, 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 no. We are out. There are ripe fruit waiting to be harvested right now in our community. Church, is this resonating in your heart this morning? Jesus has made the statement that the harvest is plentiful. And then he goes on to give his disciples a further teaching to expand and explain what he is getting at. And um, I love the way Jesus does this. You'll notice all throughout the Gospels, he makes a statement and then he goes on in the following verses to expand out and teach on what it was he has just said. As you're reading through, look for what Jesus is saying and how he is teaching into his statements. And because as he taught his own disciples back then, we are his disciples today and he is teaching us. So here is this little expansion pep talk to his disciples. He is saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. Now that's quite easy, isn't it? I'm quite happy to pray, Lord, send laborers, send laborers. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on 
to verse 3, and he says, go. So he is expecting the disciples to be the answer to their own prayer. Are we his disciples? Yes, the answer is yes, in case anyone's wondering. So there is an expectation that we will go. And then Jesus comes up with this great encouragement of why to go. Verse 3, go. I am sending you out like I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Seriously, Jesus? You think that's going to encourage me to go out there? I don't get that. I thought you loved me. I thought you cared for me. What are you doing this to me for? How many of us have read this verse? And thought, yeah, no, nah, God, not me. That's for brave people. <laughs> I think I'm busy that day. Jesus never sugarcoats the truth. Nowhere does Jesus tell us walking with him is going to be an easy road. In fact, just the opposite. He's constantly saying, um, you know, you won't have a home. People are going to reject you. People are going to do all this to you. But what are we? Are we a pack of wusses? No, thank you. We are not. We are people empowered by God. All of heaven is behind us. God is for us. We live under his favour. We are blessed to be a blessing. He's warning us. He's warning us. Hey, it's going to be tough out there. But get a backbone. Get a backbone. I'm speaking to Jocelyn this morning, by the way, just in case anyone thinks I'm speaking out there and condemning people. But, you know, over the last three weeks, I think three, twice I've spoken on taking your thoughts captive, and Jaffa spoke brilliantly on that last week. And... um. This is a scripture where we have to take our thoughts captive. Now, I don't know about you, but the first time I ever read that, I can remember back to that a hundred years ago, I thought, what? What? But we have to take that thought captive because the enemy will immediately come and try and get us to focus on the wolf part and he will try and grip our hearts with fear. So, look, let's think about this logically. Let's put some practicality around this for a minute. We go out against wolves every single day of our lives. There are wolves out there trying to trip us up, trying to get the better of us all the time. Rude and insensitive, even preoccupied people will upset and reject us, treat us how we don't like to be treated. It's life, people, and news flash. Life is not fair. Life is not cushy. It's not just the Christian walk that's hard. Life is hard. Unless you live a very protected life, most weeks something mean happens to us. Does it to anyone else or is this just me? <sighs> some we bring on ourselves, come on, and some we don't. 
Oh my gosh, let me tell you about something that happened to me. This is a couple of years ago now. Around Christmas, the traffic in Palmerston was crazy. Traffic jammed up, backed up everywhere. I'm on Broadway looking for a park to go to Mana. And suddenly this car pulls out and I hop into the space. And all the traffic... I had not noticed the car on the other side of the road with his right-hand blinker on to go into that park. Truly, I had not seen him. Towns full, traffic backed up, people everywhere, and this man sits on his car horn. And the foulest words I have ever been called came out of that man's mouth to me and I mean absolutely foul words and everyone's staring at me. Wolves. Now the outcome of that was I made the decision there and then that because this man was upset with me, I was never going to take my car to town again and park it because I just might take someone else's wrong car park and get abused. Now, you all know that's stupid. My car goes to Palmerston shopping on a regular basis. But my question is, if I didn't let that foul-mouthed, mean, angry person, I mean, I ruined his day and I'm sure he ruined his family's day following on from that. If I did not let that foul-mouthed wolf stop me from going back over and trying to get a park in Broadway, why, why would I stop going out and sharing the beautiful news about Jesus because somebody mouths off at me? Can you hear what I'm saying? He warns the people the message may not be welcome by some people. But it's okay because he is with us and he is going with us. We will be fine. We will be fine. I tell you what, I am so grateful for the lamb that came across the road to this wolf's house and didn't let my rudeness stop her. Margot, if by any fluke of coincidence or God happening you get to hear this um, on YouTube, I just want to say huge big thank you. Huge big thank you for persevering because you are my hero. Thank you. When I came to the Lord, I was able to contact everybody who'd been a major witness in my life and thank them for, for sharing with me. But this lady over the road, Margot, I could never track her down. She'd moved to Australia and I'd lost contact with her. And it's always worried me that I hadn't thanked her. And I really felt the Lord said to put that in this morning. So I'm believing she's going to hear this and know it was worth her while to put up with it. Now back to this verse, lambs with wolves. I think there's more to this verse than Jesus is warning that it's going to be tough. It's more than that. I think he is saying that he is sending us out as lambs. He wants us to go with an attitude of a lamb. He he doesn't want us going out and forcing our beliefs on people like a wolf 
forces himself on people. He wants us to be gentle as Jesus was gentle. We go out of obedience, but it's the Holy Spirit that does the work of the drawing and the saving. It's our responsibility to stay abiding and the fruitfulness will follow. Your homework this week is to meditate on John 15. Verse 4. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. This is not about travelling light. This is Jesus reminding us he is our provider. Do you remember way, way back we used to sing Jehovah Jireh, my provider, your grace is sufficient for me? You know, that song was an anchor for me. That song was an anchor. You know, there was an area of um, lack that we came up against a few times on the mission field. All the young women would say to us, where are the young single men? Why aren't they out here on the mission field? Where are our husbands? And we come back to New Zealand and all the guys would say, oh, I'm going when I've got a wife. So they're all out there waiting for you. Get going. (laughs) You see, they couldn't go because of the lack. The lack was already waiting on their journey. Now, this don't stop and talk to anybody. This is, Jesus is not saying be rude and snobby. He's saying this message that I have given you to take is so important. Do not be distracted because you see in Jewish culture, greetings are a long process. It's not like us, oh, you g'day, how are you doing? And just move off before we even get the answer. It's long. And Jesus is saying, don't just be distracted. Don't be distracted. What distracts you? What distracts you? I'd give an illustration, but the numerous distractions that are in my life would just end up being a distraction to this message. So I'm sure you have enough distractions of your own. Be aware of the things that distract you, and yes, learn to take them captive right along with those thoughts. Thank you, Alan. Jesus then goes on to expand out the whole teaching about what he means, what he wants to happen when he sends them out. But I want to point out verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. You know how many times have I had to quote Corrie ten Boom. Where you lead me, I will follow. What you feed me, I will swallow. And that's not me, that's Corrie said that. You know, I learned, I have learned, do not ask what's on the plate. Take your thought captive. Do not try and imagine it. Look at people while you are eating and don't look. God is the provider. Verse 9, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Heal the sick. Now, I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible does not say. Now, listen, if there's sick people there and you feel anointed to pray for healing, well, well, you know, have a go, have a go. That's not what my Bible says. I hope your version doesn't. It says go and heal the sick. 
Oh, what if it doesn't work? What if I pray for them and they don't get healed? What if they do? What if they do? Lighten up. I believe the Lord wants you healed. Would you like me to pray for you? Let's just see what God wants to do today. Now, I know you people with the gift of faith will be reacting and saying, well, you should just believe and get on and do it. But you know, not everybody is in that place. We have to start somewhere. Lighten up. Give it a go. Pray. Heal the sick. Because remember, it's not actually about protecting you from being embarrassed. It's about compassion and love for the person you are praying for and the love of Christ entering them and healing them. You know, we have to keep reminding ourselves the kingdom of God is not about us. It's not about us. Well, it is about us, but not only us. You know, so what? Really, the bottom line is, if you pray for someone and they don't get healed, well, they're no worse off than they were before you prayed for them anyway. So, get a backbone, believe and pray. Now, Jesus goes on in his teaching to warn the people that there is a day of reckoning coming. And some places, some people who think they are going to be okay are in for a rude awakening. Church, we need to remember this. We need to read these things and take the warning. We're in a season of grace, but there is a day of reckoning coming. There is a day when we will answer for the gifts that we were given. I know this sounds pretty accusing of you all, but I don't believe I'm doing my job as your pastor if I only point out the good things. I need to focus on the warnings some Sundays too. The day of reckoning is coming. Do you have assurance of your salvation and your standing with God? This message this morning is about our responsibility as followers of Christ to tell others about him. But our salvation is not what we do, but about what he has done for us and what we have done with him. Jesus came to teach us how to live in his kingdom, and then he died to make the way for us to enter his kingdom. If you have not yet received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then come afterwards and talk to um, myself or Jaffet, Vicky or the prayer team. We're not going to be a wolf to you. We're not going to stand over you and make you think like we think. But we would love to give you the facts so that you can form your opinion, you can make your choice whether you will follow Christ or not, not just on your opinion or what you've heard other people say, but on facts, on facts. Let's go now to verse 17. The, 70 re- the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They returned with joy. Hang on a minute. Back at the beginning, didn't Jesus tell them he was sending them out like lambs to wolves? But they've come back with joy. 
Take note, church. Joy. Joy awaits our obedience. Joy awaits our obedience. The joy of what happened, the joy of Jesus saying, I've given you this power. I have given you this authority and actually stepping out in it and doing it and the amazing joy that will be within us because it's true. It works. It's true. (coughs) For the joy set before him, Jesus went to the cross. Oh, wow, that took some doing. So church, no more focusing on the walls. Go and experience a joy you will never get to experience any other way. Now I can't leave the scripture this morning. Jesus again speaking. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. God speaking to you this morning. God speaking to me this morning. I have given you authority to trample on snakes. Oh, how I held on to that scripture when we were in India. India, And scorpions. And to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Great power, great authority, great ability to perform signs and wonders, miracles in the name of Jesus. But then Jesus says this. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have been willing to stay, to stay and come into our lives and empower us, to counsel us, to comfort us, to help us to journey on in the journey that you have called us to. I pray for each and every one of us here this morning that if fear has had anyone trapped from sharing your gospel, I stand against that fear now in the name of Jesus and I command it to be gone from each and every person here in Jesus' name. Father, I would ask also that you would put within each of us a passion, a care, a concern for the lost. I ask, Father God, that we would be so consumed by you and your kingdom that that would be our first priority. I ask, Father God, that you would open our eyes to see where we have been sucked in by the lies of the enemies, enemy, that we would see where we have allowed distractions to come into our, into our lives, into our beings, and take us away from being focused on you and your kingdom. And church, for everyone who agrees with that prayer, please join me in saying, Amen. Amen. Amen.